to Saul and I'll be dead. God said, yes. So David left. And he didn't die. Saul didn't come down. God, there we saw in that particular instance, if David stayed, he would stay there in Kaliah and die. But if David got out before Saul made it down there, then he would live. And the same in this situation. If they got in the lifeboat, they died. If they stayed on the boat, even though the boat was going to wreck, they would live. And so the captain, showing faith, cut the skiffs, cut the lifeboats away. So they all had to stay on the boat. That was prophesied. It was going to crash, but they would all live. Showing faith that my whole faith is totally in God. And there the Lord cut all of Job's lifeboats away. All his wealth, his kids died, his health went, everything went. And his heart was, oh, naked I came into this world, naked I go out. Praise be the name of the Lord. I, God is my hope. My joy and peace is the same. I've lost everything. Boils all over his body. Though he were to slay me, yet I would trust in him. When everything was gone, the boat was sinking, his hope was still in the Lord. And so our hope is in God. Health. Healthy or not healthy, my hope is in God. Financially, comfortable, not comfortable, my hope is in Him. I may totally go broke tomorrow. Maybe totally, completely in poverty. It's good. It's good that I would be brought to this place that my hope is fully set upon Him. The Bible says... With food and clothing, with these we should be content. So, tomorrow, I trust that even if I go dirt poor, my body will be covered. And I'll have some food. God will provide some food. Paul says at this very hour, I'm hungry. I'm not saying it would be tons of food where we're, you know, throwing the scraps away. I'm, I'm not saying that. But God said, with food and, and clothing, this we shall be content. So, may not have a car, may not have a house, may not have all of the luxuries that our country and solely our country has provided for us in the last hundred years. Very, very, very small percentage of the world has lived the way we've lived. But nevertheless, our hope is in Him. And what happens if our hope is in Him? There is that constant joy, that constant peace, where? In our faith, in believing in Him. What's it say? Don't lose your confidence in Hebrews. Why? Because the one we put our hope in is faithful. He is faithful. We can trust in him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Also remember that our hope is going to be built as our character is built. We saw this in, last week in Romans chapter 5. There, Turn there if you would to Romans chapter 5. There in verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith, there it is again, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Again, it's a rejoicing hope. We're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. So our hope is fixed upon the future. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. So not only do we glory in the, in, in the rejoicing hope of what's going to happen to us being in heaven with the Lord in the future, but right now we glory and have joy in, in tribulations. Why? 
because these tribulations are going to produce a perseverance, a perseverance, a character which is absolutely needed, and that character is going to be manifest in hope. And hope does not disappoint. Listen to this. Think on this a minute. Hope does not disappoint. What in this world disappoints? Everything. <laughs> Everything disappoints. You know, you say, oh man, we're going to Disneyland. I got a thousand dollar bonus and I'm on my way to Disneyland. And boy, you've got joy. You've got peace. And on your way to Disneyland, you get a flat tire. And you fix the flat tire. And a few miles later, your car overheats. And so you got to get a new radiator. And everybody's in the car, ready to go to Disneyland. And they're screaming and yelling. And, and finally, you get to Disneyland and it's raining. <laughs> but you stick it out and, and you go there. And, and you're eating the cotton candy and the ice cream. And then you get on the monorail and, and your kid throws up all over you. Believe me, anything and everything, there's everything can disappoint. There's all kinds of stuff that can disappoint. If you're looking to it, it will be a disappointment. God will make it a disappointment. If your God is your marriage, it will be a disappointment to you. If your God is your kids or your money or your job or your health, it will become an incredibly disappointing thing to you. But if your eyes are upon the Lord, and in that you have hope, and in everything else, you know, it's there, and it's nice when it's working well, but when it's not working well, my peace and joy are still intact, and my hope is intact, and I'm not disappointed. So my eyes are upon the Lord, and, and my husband starts cheating on me. My wife starts cheating on me. What now? What do you do? It's out of your control. You can't do anything about it. But yet, you can have peace and joy in the Lord as you keep your eyes upon Him. God is never going to be unfaithful to you as man is unfaithful to you. You're doing the best you can. You're investing your money as wisely as you can. And, and they told you down there that guaranteed, you know, and then all of a sudden, they call you and you have nothing. You've lost all your money. Again, oh well. My hope is in God. He, my, my riches are sure in Him. My treasure stored up in heaven. The stock market can't mess with it. Thieves can't steal it. Moths and rust can't eat it away. Man, my riches in heaven are intact. So my hope's there. So earthly riches may be not intact. My heavenly, my heavenly riches are intact. My earthly relationships may be going through a souring time, may be a destructive, may be completely destroyed. But my relationship with God is not destroyed. I am his bride. He is my husband. Your parents have really disappointed you. Your dad or your mom, on and on it goes. But yet your heavenly father will never disappoint you. Whatever it is, 
if God in him, he is the husband, he is the father, he is the friend, your riches are sure in heaven, your health is sure in heaven, that new body is on its way in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, life is but a vapor. Whatever area that you could put your hope in on this earth, it will disappoint, I guarantee it. But if your eyes are upon the Lord, you see, then you're not going to ever be disappointed. So your hope that God wants to give you, so you say, man, these trials, why? God's trying to get you to persevere. I believe in God even though. I believe in God even though. I trust in Him even though. Job went through the trials. Naked I came in, naked I go out, praise be the name of the Lord. I'm going to trust in Him even though I lose everything financially. Even though my kids die, I'm going to trust in Him. That trial, the health trial comes in. Though He were to slay me, yet I'm going to trust Him. That trial and that perseverance of having to keep on trusting Him through day after day after day of hardship, of difficulty, of pain. And yet that character, you see, is finally intact. And his hope is certain it's in God. There's nothing worth in this world living for. If there's anything in this world that you are living for, you are going to be at some point in time depressed, suicidal because of that thing. If you wake up in the morning and go, oh, man, I love going to work. I love my work. I'm glad you do. But I guarantee you, one of these days, no matter how great your job is, you're going to wake up going, I wish I did something other than what I do. I wish I hadn't had this skill. I wish I had that skill. The grass will be greener somewhere else. And you're, you're, you're going to be bummed. But yet, if you're working as unto the Lord, if you're going, man, I'm going to work today because as I work unto the Lord, it, the Bible tells me that my rewards, that God's paying me salaries in heaven, so my boss may not be paying me the right amount of money, but it doesn't matter. God's paying me for going and working as unto him. So today as I went to work, I worked as unto the Lord. You see, now I know I have that reward in heaven. The hours are going to be calculated up as I had that right attitude working unto him. Your mansion is there. I don't have the house I want, or I don't have a house at all. I'm stuck in this apartment. It doesn't matter. He is preparing a mansion for you in heaven. And that hope will never disappoint. Do you have that godly character? Where does it come through? Through the trying of your faith. Your faith being more precious than gold, though being tried, tested through the fires. Your faith will be intact. You have that faith and that trust in God. Guys, heaven is not a theory. Heaven is not a myth. Heaven is not an idea. Heaven is a very, very, very real place. They had on the news the other day, the first duck-billed platypuses are going to be put into the first zoo ever. Their population is diminishing. They're not extinct. They're not on the verge of extinction yet. But have you ever seen a duck-billed platypus? It looks just like a little tiny um, beaver, but yet it's not a beaver. Its head looks like a duck. And it's mainly nocturnal, but it looks like a beaver with a duck's head. And it swims around and makes little dams and, and everything. 
over in Australia. But yet when they brought the first skins over of a duck-billed platypus, nobody in America believed it. They thought it was a hoax. And it wasn't until decades later that finally um, some people went over to Australia, saw them, and documented it. Although the skins, guys brought skins over sometime earlier. They believed that they were a forgery. Who would have thought? A beaver with a duck's head. In the same way, it's hard for us right now to see heaven as a real place. But it is a very, very real place. We're going to be there in our brand new bodies. It's not a myth. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not something that, you know, we want to believe in like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or, or something like that. It's very, very, very real. And you can put your hope in those things. And so here that hope in verse Romans 5, it does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by, again, the Holy Spirit who is given to us through the power of God's Holy Spirit, through the power of his love. We're going to look at that in a minute. And then in Romans 12, 12, it says rejoicing in hope again is one of the things we need to do. Be patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, but rejoicing in hope. Now, so we talked about last week. Our hope is in God. Secondly, our hope is in the scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, what? Might have hope. We're going to have hope through the scriptures. You see, if you believe in God, then you believe in his word. They're one and the same. If you believe in a person, you believe in what they say. It's one and the same. If I have trust in someone, I'll have trust in what they say. If I am hanging off a cliff and somebody throws a rope down that I know, and they say, I've got that rope tied securely around the bumper of my car. You see? Then I will let go of the side of the cliff and grab onto the rope because I trust in the words they're saying. Now, if I don't trust in that person, they're going to say, well, I have it tied securely to the bumper of my car. What kind of car? <laughs> don't want it to be one of those little tiny, you know... Hyundai's or something, you know? Is the parking brake on? Can you put, is there a rock behind the tire? What kind of knot did you use? You see, I'm going to question, I have doubts. But if I know them, they're an Eagle Scout. They've been my friend for 20 years. I know they love me as much as their own life and they're not going to do anything to possibly jeopardize me, you see. I can grab on with security going, I'm saved. Oh, even though at this point, I'm not yet at the top. Even at this point, even though I'm not on solid ground at the top, I'm grabbing onto the rope going, I'm saved. 
Right now, it's as good as I'm saved because I know this person. They're here because I know they're here. Because I have a hold of the rope, I am as good as saved because I have a trust in them. In the same way, if you know God, you will trust in what he says. Romans 8, we have that trust. God works all things together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. If you believe in the scriptures, there's always a light. I don't care how dark things may be for you right now. I don't care how deep the pit you may be in right now. I don't care how bad things may seem right now. If your hope is in God, through the patience and the comfort you're going to the scriptures, you're rejoicing here tonight. There's a joy and a peace in believing, isn't there? In God's word. I've seen it time and time again. I was just talking to a fellow pastor yesterday. And he said, yep. I just watched a 24-year-old person die of cancer. And he said, I went to the hospital and every day I walked out of there with my heart full of joy because they just encouraged me the whole time in the Lord. They weren't bummed not one time in the couple of years they were dying of cancer. They were never bummed. There wasn't a time they're going, man, I'm dying, this is horrible. Just gotten married, just had a baby. But yet they just knew that God had a perfect plan. God had a perfect destiny. God had a perfect sovereign control of this. And the scriptures doesn't promise us we'll all live at least 75 years old. The Bible says some people are going to die a day after they're, they're dead. David, there is his baby, his newborn baby was dying. He was fasting and praying, and after the baby died, he got up and said, fix some food, and he took a bath, and they said, what are you doing? And he said, well, why the baby is dying, who knew? God may have mercy and heal the baby. But yet, after the baby is dead, I, I know that he will no longer be coming to me, but I will be going to him. It's just a matter of a few seconds. It's just a matter of a vapor of time until I'll be spending all of eternity in him, with him uh, in heaven. So there's the light at the end of the tunnel. There's that hope. And so we go to the scriptures. We looked at that passage last week out of Psalms 119, verse 49. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Remember the word. Psalms 119, verse 49 and 50. This is my comfort and my affliction. Your word has given me life. Psalms 119, verse 49 and 50. Remember the word to your servant upon which you've caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. Is that where you're at in scriptures tonight? There's an answer there. What is the answer? I don't know, but it's in the Bible. So tonight, you're having a very difficult time with your kids. The answer is in the Word. Well, which scripture? There's lots of scriptures. Well, which scripture applies to you? See, that's the neat thing. As you're in the Word, God's Word is in you. And as God's Word is in you and you are in the Word, God can rhema, He can speak 
from the Logos, a rhema, a word in season. Matter of fact, the Bible gives us a promise in Isaiah 50. The Lord God has awakened me morning by morning, quickened my ear to hear as a learner that I would have the word to sustain the weary in the day. Guess who the weary sometimes is? You. And God will give you that word to speak to you in season, in that day. In the word. But there's a lot of people who just don't have hope in the scriptures. They have hope in the Bible and in the church. They have hope in the Bible and in psychology. They have hope in the Bible and mom or whatever it is. There's always something else. And there is a place where you can come to have hope in the scriptures. To totally trust in God's word. It will bring you hope. There's that hope in believing in God's word. Well, thirdly here tonight, there is hope in what God has done and is doing. We can have hope in the future in what God has done and is doing. Turn over to Colossians, if you would, to chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, there in verse 4. Paul writes to the Colossae church, Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, Since we heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as in all the world, and being forth, bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. In chapter 1, verse 21, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith. There's a qualifier. If you indeed continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, and not moved away from what? The hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And then in verse 27 of Colossians chapter 1, to them God willed to make known that are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In verse 5, our hope is laid up in heaven. In verse 23, hold on in faith. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue in the faith. What will happen? You'll not be moved away from that hope of the gospel. Verse 22, what will happen? the body of this flesh of death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. It's going to happen. However, we see there in First Timothy or 2 Timothy 4 where he says, And Demas has forsaken us, having loved this present world. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Archippus, Hermenides, excuse me, Hermenides and Alexander, who have shipwrecked in regards of their faith. Not keeping faith and a good conscience. Have shipwrecked in regards to their faith. So again, there's a few things that we need to understand. There is this hope and a continuing trust, that continuing waiting upon the Lord. 
Remember that Psalms 27. I wait upon the Lord. I would have lost hope had I not believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, I say wait. Luke chapter 18. Jesus said this parable that people would always pray and not lose heart. Told the parable about the woman who persisted until the unjust judge finally gave her some legal protection. When the Son of Man returns, he says, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Radical. That the last day's church, the end day's church, when the Lord's going to come again to earth, he's going to find people who have lost hope. People who have shipwrecked regarding their faith. People who have not continued in the faith. Why? Because their hope was on something on this earth. Guys, the Bible, if you read it, it's full of all kinds of earthly defeats, but yet heavenly victories. We all want to read David killing Goliath. We all want to read Daniel being saved from the lion's den. But let us not forget Isaiah, who was sawn in two. Let us not forget John the Baptist, who was beheaded. Let's not forget James the Apostle, who was killed with the sword. Let's not forget our brother Paul, who was beheaded. And let's not forget Stephen, who was stoned. And let's not forget the whole list of other people Hebrews 11 talks about who lived in sheepskins and goatskins, who lived in caves and holes in the ground, whom the world was not worthy of. Guys, I don't know what it's going to look like the rest of our life. But God is still God. Even if a nuclear explosion comes, God is still God. Even if all of America goes into a depression, God is still God. And you can go through the mountains or through the valleys with the same peace and the same joy. You can go through the wet times and the dry times with the same peace and the same joy. You can go through health and sickness with the same peace and the same joy. You can go through any tribulation with the same peace and the same joy if your hope is in Him. Read the Bible. Trust in the scriptures. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Upon the earth, God's going to turn it around for good ultimately. But in heaven for sure, it's all going to be met there. And in that heavenly perspective, we're going to look back going, it was perfect. Every trial, every difficulty, every hardship, it was perfect. I thought getting my arm ripped off by the trolley train was a bad move on God's part. <laughs> but now I can see from heaven's point, if I had two arms from the Y in the road, if I had gone from on with life with two arms, I can see that it wasn't good as me going on life with one arm. Man, Lord, you're so good knocking that arm off. I, I, I see your wisdom in it now. I couldn't understand it when I was on earth, but I just had a joy and peace in believing that God knows. God has, has it all in control. 
I knew he was going to turn everything around for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I knew he had a reason. I didn't understand it. But I just had this deep down faith that my God is in control. If he knows every hair on my head, surely he knows how many arms I've got or don't got. So there's just that, that peace. There's that joy in that true heart of faith. But there's those people that have faith in God because everything's going their way. Satan was certain that Job was one of those guys. If you take all his wealth away, he'll curse you. If you take his children away, he'll curse you. If you take his health away, he'll curse you. Satan was certain. Take his money away. That's it. He is just having this lovely joy and peaceful relationship with God because you've made him wealthy. He became dirt poor. The same exact faith in God. His children all died. His health was taken away. His peace and joy and believing did not change. What an example the scriptures are to us in the life of Job. And so, again, how does the world look on? The Bible says our faith, Colossians 1, is foolishness to the Greeks. It's foolishness to them. They're looking on at us going, man, you just lost everything. And you're still trusting in your God? Don't you think if your God really loved you, he wouldn't let you in these circumstances right now when you're in? And you're going, no. I think God would very well let me in these circumstances that I'm in. And still love me very much. But you just lost your house and your car and your job. And so, the Bible tells us that there's various kinds of trials and to rejoice in all the trials. What do they look at you? You are a fool. You are crazy. What's wrong with you? If you are normal right now, you would be upset and angry and cussing and the number one person on your list is God, if he is God. But obviously he's not God because you're in a financial mess. No. He is still God. I know that God can allow financial disaster. He did it to Job, and it's okay. Naked I came in, naked I go out. Praise be the name of the Lord. Man, I, you're just a religious kook. That's who you are. No, I'm a guy who has joy and peace in believing. I just, I know that he's working it all out. You see, there's nothing on this earth that should shake you. There's nothing on this earth that should move you. And that's why he says they're not moved away from the hope of the gospel that's in Christ Jesus. But there are some people who believe as they read the Bible that God again is going to make you healthy and wealthy and wise. And as you are the elite on this earth, that's how they'll know you're a Christian because you are the elite. You're a little more talented, a little better looking, a little better in shape. Your finances are great. You know, you, you get cut in your skin, your, your wound heals quicker than everybody else's. And, and, and this is their mentality. 
And so what happens? They easily get moved away from, by their faith because this life is a roller coaster. It's constantly trials. It ebbs and flows. But now the Lord said that's his way of changing us. That's his way of building our character. Let the, joy ha- let the trial have its perfect work. Count it all joy in whatever trials, knowing that the trying of your faith is, again, come where James says, where we're complete, perfect, lacking in nothing. And so that's why we need one another. When the hands hang down, it says in Hebrews 13. When the knees are shaking, it says, go there and strengthen your brethren. Earlier it says in Hebrew, why it's still called day strengthen your brother. Strengthen those feeble knees. Lift up those, those hands and say, remember our brother Job. Remember our brother Joseph who was sold into slavery and ended up in prison. Don't forget our brother Paul who was put down in that damp, dark prison and he praised the Lord and he rejoiced in God even after being beaten by rod, rods and put in shackles. Let's not forget our brother Stephen, who as he was being stoned, asked God to forgive those who were stoning him and and saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So we all are soon going to put off this old tent. Soon, and the rapture of the church is going to come, or soon we're going to die and go be with the Lord. And and when you're an 80-year-old person, looking back on life, what really mattered? What really mattered? You see, nothing except Christ. That your eyes would be fully fixed upon him and on nothing else. And so we have this hope. We're filled with his joy, filled with his peace and believing. And then he says that you may abound in hope in Romans 13. That you will have an abounding hope. So hope is something, guys, that like faith, it grows. Like love, it grows. Faith, hope, and love. Remember 1 Corinthians 13? These three, the greatest of them is love. But one interesting thing about them is they all grow. So you're going through a circumstance right now. You're going through a circumstance right now. And your immediate reaction was to murmur, to complain, to cuss a little, to get angry. Your Christian friend tried to encourage you and you said, shut up, leave me alone. You hung up on him and you didn't come to church for a month because you were bummed. That, you're, that's your immediate reaction. But then after you realized there is no hope but in God and you started putting your eyes back on him and then you realized what a fool I was. I'm ashamed that I wearied in well-doing. I'm, I'm ashamed that I staggered in my, in my faith and believing. But the next time that trial comes, you see, when you see God work it out, when you see God work through it. And that's where many of us who have been Christians for a long time, we've just seen how the Lord works things out. We've just seen how God makes things crumble in one way to only build it back in a more beautiful way than ever. I have seen it in my own life time and time again with relationships. I've seen it financially. I've seen it in just about every way in health. I've seen God turn it around and be glorified. And so I have faith today that if I were to get cancer and start dying tomorrow and I die in eight months from now, I know how the book's going to read. It's just like Hezekiah. 
Hezekiah lived a wonderful life in the Lord up to that point. But when he got his illness and he murmured and complained and God gave him another 15 years, how he destroyed the future of his kids. He destroyed the future of his family. He destroyed the future of his country. And then he lived this life totally out of character of a godly person those last 15 years until his son Manasseh was this wicked, wicked man who ended up killing, according to tradition, sawing Isaiah in two. And I guarantee it, in heaven, Hezekiah is looking back going, oh, I wish I didn't live those 15 years. I could have been up here in heaven with God and I was down there messing everything up. And that's me. I know if I... On my deathbed, I'm just going, thank you, Lord, you got me out of here before I started making a mess of things. Thank you, Lord. I'm not going, man, 10 more years. Oh, I would have really shined. Man, I, I, I hardly got a chance to make my mark on the world, man. Believe me, I know. I know God has it in control. There's not one sparrow that falls to the ground that God doesn't know about. There's not one piece of sand that turns over and God doesn't know about that one piece of sand. There is the same amount of sand on our earth, 10 to the 25th power, as there is stars in our universe. And the Bible tells us that God knows every single star, has it in its place, and it's given it a name. What if we all did a project and all took a handful of sand? And we all had a room enclosed like this. We all had a room this size. And we all began to put our pieces of sand like God has the stars in orbit. And we began to put them in a place. And there you identify it. You can tell one piece of sand from the next. You've given them all a, a piece of, you've all given them all a name. And then to keep them in that place. Could you do it? There's no way. One, if I picked up a piece of sand and I said, okay, here, which one is it? Oh, that's the one I named Bob. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you're right. But it's not in place. I got it. It's in my hand. You're also supposed to keep it in place, but you didn't do it. I've got it in my hand. You see, there's no way. But yet God has done that. If God can hold all the stars in place, knows them by name, keeps them there, Surely, he can take care of a few billion people on planet Earth. God has it in control. Man, if we could have that trust, that faith in believing. In God, in his scriptures, and lastly here, in the future. Turn, if you would, to Titus chapter 1. We'll tidy up with Titus. And a few other verses. In Titus chapter 1, verse 3, Paul, in, a, in verse, Titus chapter 1, verse 1, excuse me, Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of God, or an apostle, God, a bondservant, Paul, a bondservant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of what? Eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. The hope in him in eternal life, because God said it. 
And there also in chapter 2 of Titus, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope in the future again and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. Speak these things. Exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Here he's saying, guys, get your eyes on the Lord coming. He's going to perfect us. He's going to make us pure and right before him at his coming. There in Titus chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, verse 5, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to what? Hope of eternal life. And there in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon what? The grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation or the unveiling. In other words, Jesus Christ and his appearing. And then over in 1 John, First John chapter 3. It says there in verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Verse 3, And everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself right now, just as he is pure. There's a purifying element to that hope of our eyes upon the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. To get your eyes upon him, it's him we need. Whatever ails you today, it's Jesus. Whatever ails you today, you're just not seeing him completely. There's some aspect of his love, some aspect of his mercy, some aspect of the power of God that you, not, you don't yet see. And so you're relying upon the things of this world, or you're relying upon the arm of man. You're relying upon the wisdom of man. Something in there is your faith isn't totally in him, you see. And so I, I'm... I'm I want to have hope, but I'm bummed because the situation with my, my kids right now is bumming me out and, and, and I don't know what to do and I've gone to this person and that person, I've read that book and, and done this, but I, I, I don't have joy and peace tonight in believing because, 
But yet, you see, it's some aspect of Jesus. Your hope is in him. There's some aspect of his love or his mercy or of his power that's not yet been revealed. And so in this trial of dealing with your kids, God wants to reveal himself to you in a way you never could have saw him if you had not experienced this trial. So he's going to bring you to a place of brokenness, a place of woundedness, a place of just where you're just poured out before him and God's going to reveal himself to you. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't get angry. Don't get bummed. Let this trial have its perfect work so you can have that perfect work of joy. Maybe tonight in your finances, maybe it's at work, maybe it's in your marriage relationship where you've just thrown your hands up and you're just angry and frustrated and upset. You don't need to live life that way. There is a joy. There is a peace in believing in him in the scriptures, and in the future. And it's a joy that abounds, and how is it going to continue? By the power of the Holy Spirit. He ends here tonight in saying, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it our own. We cannot keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord good enough on our own. The Holy Spirit has to help us. So tonight, you may be saying, Brian, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know that feeling every single day. I do pretty good in the morning sometimes. I get up feeling pretty good in the Word. And then by about 10 o'clock, I'm just losing it. Losing the joy. Losing it. Holy Spirit, help me. Not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit. God wants to empower you with His Holy Spirit every single day to fill you up with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your Word. God, there's so much more that could be said upon this most excellent and powerful verse. And Lord, we do ask tonight that our eyes and our hope would fully be, fully be set upon you, upon your scriptures, and upon the revelation of what you're going to bring us when we see you face to face, how we're going to be just like you. Oh, let every one of us be purified here tonight, even as you are pure, as our hope is set upon nothing else, nothing else but upon you. Oh, what a great joy and peace we have. As we're filled up by your by the power of your Holy Spirit, filled up with it. Oh, there's so much meditation yet to do upon this scripture. Strengthen us, Lord. Your kingdom would come. Your will would be done. On earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. Tonight, in us. With everybody's head bowed. Maybe you're here tonight. And you've not yet given your whole life to Christ. You cannot say tonight, if I were to die, I would be in heaven for sure. If you can't say that with certainty, Christ is still not in your life. Because the Bible says you're, when love is perfected, there is no fear of judgment. Right now, just commit your life. Say, Lord, forgive my sin. Lord, please come into my life through the gift of Jesus Christ and him dying on a cross for me, I ask now that you'd come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Through the power of your Holy Spirit here tonight, God, I ask right now you'd come into my life. Give me the gift 
of eternal life and help me in the word, help me in the prayer, help me to live in a life pleasing to you, seeking you, doing all that you'd have. I just receive you into my life tonight. And some of you here tonight, as you realize as the word of God, the Bible says it searches the hearts. And tonight it's a two-edged sword and it's pierced you and you realize, man, if I lost my money, I couldn't have peace and joy. If I lost my marriage or I lost my kids or I lost my job, I don't think I would have that peace and joy. Right now, just say, Lord, help me. Fill me up with the power of your Holy Spirit and help me to put my eyes upon you and the heaven to come only and not upon anything on this earth. I want that hope that does not disappoint Lord, fill me up with your love here tonight through your Holy Spirit so I have that love, that joy, that peace. And my faith would be increased, Lord, as I put my whole hope in you. In Jesus' name, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.